your service, where service is their specialty. Proud sponsor of This Morning with Jalen Nye and Daryl McIntyre. And good morning, 706 here on your Monday morning. Jalen Nye is off today, a little under the weather. Hopefully she'll be able to get back tomorrow, but she'll make sure she's feeling better. Morley will be back tomorrow as well. Uh, but good to have you here. This is uh, week 18 of the all-new This Morning with Jalen and Daryl and Morley, too. Uh, this was uh, this is always a fascinating development when you hear of a cold case potentially being solved. In this case, this is from some, what, 27 years ago? It was 1996 here in Edmonton that a 24-year-old woman, Joanne Ghostkeeper, was strangled. And there had been no arrest in her case for so many years until last week we found out that a 48-year-old man, a man who's now 48, so you can do the math on how old he would have been back in the day, uh, the suspect is named Brian Boucher. He's now been charged, and we're told that DNA evidence is a big part of being able to, to lay that charge. Obviously, this is a case that is still before the courts, but we did want to dive into the whole uh, nature of DNA evidence. What might have changed in this case as far as the DNA evidence is concerned? Because DNA profiling has been around for, you know, being able to do the testing, that's been around for decades. Why didn't it come up with a suspect earlier than that? Well, let's find out. Detective Kevin Harrison from the EPS Historical Crime Section is joining us this morning. Uh, Detective Harrison, good morning. How are you? morning how are you I'm do- I'm good uh, and I think a lot of people are fascinated because they you know they watch different uh, movies and crime shows and CSIs and all that kind of thing trying to dive into the technology that is involved uh, can you I'm not uh, you, you tell me how much you can talk about in general uh, the DNA or in, in specifically in this case I would like to know what was different now that allowed you guys to delay charges uh, as opposed to say a few decades ago sure so um, I think a few things, Daryl, that uh, you know probably have changed or definitely have changed since 1996. And uh, you know a couple of those things in general that we we look at when we re-examine cases like this is uh, you know the amount of DNA that is required to develop a profile has has decreased significantly over the years. Uh, so right now they need a the lab needs about. 0.15 nanograms of DNA to develop a profile and for those that don't know a nanogram is one billionth of a gram so the amount of DNA re- required to develop a profile has gone down significantly um, which you know leads us to things like being able to uh, develop DNA profile from even from touch um, the other thing they do is that the the number of regions that are tested um, has increased, which uh, allows uh, you know greater power for discriminating profiles. Um, YSTR testing is also uh, you know come online in the last few years, and that is uh, where male the male DNA profile off the Y chromosome is uh, is sought out, and that allows them to delineate between mixed profiles. And then the last thing that we certainly consider in investigations like this is uh, investigative genetic genealogy as well. So, uh, you know, that's a separate technique that, you know, we, uh, we conduct through private labs in the States, but it allows us to seek out suspects within a family tree when uh, DNA, their DNA is not on the National DNA Databank. Mm. And we've had success in, in all of those uh, different 
techniques. Uh, so was there no DNA profiles 25 years ago? I, I know that you mentioned just uh, the, the very tiny amount that's necessary now, but uh, was there more DNA available earlier? Was there no profile prior to this? Um, I, I would be sort of hesitant to get into specifics on this case, but I think you can sort of read between the lines that, you know, sometimes there is DNA profiles, but they're either mixed or there's not enough to develop, you know, a profile that can, that can lead to an offender. Um, so... Yeah, no, okay, I, I got it. Uh, I'm, I'm also trying to wrap my head around how... Was this individual a suspect prior to this? Was this a person that was looked at uh, during the investigation over the last uh, two and a half decades? I think what is easiest to say is that Mr. Boucher was a person of interest. Um, but as you can imagine, over the years, there there were any number of uh, tips and other investigative uh, steps that led to a number of persons of interest. And... Uh, Unfortunately, there was just never enough evidence to lead to an arrest. Uh, I know that there have been there have been cold cases, as are called, uh, for years. DNA has changed the entire way this gets investigated. Now, would you agree with that? That it's just a completely different story than it was a couple of decades ago. Yeah, one hundred percent. It certainly uh, you know it drives what we do in in large part. There's other obviously other techniques and steps we take in every case, but. Uh, you know, it certainly helps with all of these uh, advances. What What does DNA tell you, though? Uh, you know, if it, it, it could, it, it is possible, is it not, that it could be misleading? How do you ensure that you don't just have some DNA that might have happened to be by a victim that might not have been from the perpetrator? How do you know when the DNA evidence is something that you want, that you can link definitively to a crime? Right. So, I mean, that's obviously... You know, we're very cognizant of that and we are very careful and in examining the entire case, we look at each, you know, each exhibit and, and the specifics around that exhibit that tell us, you know, where it came from, who may have handled it, um, you know, what relevance it might have to the crime in question. Uh, we're looking at all of that, and, and I, you know, I think it's important to remind the audience that I am not a forensic specialist. Mm-hmm. We do a lot of this in concert with our partners at the RCMP lab, uh, to, you know, to examine each piece and determine whether it's, you know, it's compellable criminally. Yeah, you you need to know how this works, right? Because you yeah. can't ask for something if you don't know how it works. That's right. Uh, Twenty-seven years later. Uh, it's, uh, whether this case in particular comes to a conviction, etc., any of these, wow, what kind of feeling of satisfaction is there? Yeah, I think there'd be satisfaction for any investigator to, to both make an arrest and then get a conviction in any crime. But years upon years later, uh, how does that feel to be able to try and move this case forward now for the sake of the family and just for the, the, uh, the professionalism of it? I think there's nothing more rewarding, Daryl. Um, you know, being able to to give the families an answer, being able to tell you know surviving victims that that we were able to make an arrest is what drives us all in my office. Uh, how many how many cold cases do you think we have? Uh, you were in the historical division yes. there. How many uh, do you know offhand as how many of these cold cases are being investigated at the moment? Um, I'd be. Uh, Well, I would tell you that we we have over 200 unsolved homicides, and uh, 
there are six detectives in my office that are all assigned a number of cases and are, are working tirelessly. And that's just in the city of Edmonton. This is not surrounding areas. This is not RZMP jurisdiction. That's just EPS. That's correct. Oh, that's an extraordinary number. And dating back, uh, what do you think the oldest one is? I believe they go back as far as the late 50s, if I'm not mistaken. Wow. Uh, it's fascinating stuff. Can, can DNA survive uh, five decades, for example? Uh, at what point do, do, the, do the experts tell you, okay, the DNA that you have been able to find is no longer viable? You know what, I wouldn't be comfortable giving an exact answer, Daryl, okay. but I would suggest that it does uh, persist for a long time, uh, depending on uh, the exhibits that it's on, right, and how they were handled. It's fascinating stuff. Uh, Detective Harrison, thanks so much for uh, shining a light, giving us an idea of the, the work that you do. Really appreciate this. Thank you. Thanks very much. Uh, Detective Kevin Harrison with the EPS Historical Crime Section. Specifically, uh, we, we, were, we brought this up because of the arrest of a man last week who's now been charged with first-degree murder in the strangling death of 24-year-old Joanne Ghostkeeper in 1996. And yes, DNA playing a huge role in that investigation and allowing police to lay a charge. Now, as far as how this, how far this goes, uh, the court appearances, etc., we'll sit back, we'll keep an eye on it, and uh, keep you up to date. Seven fifteen right now here on this morning on six thirty, Chad. This morning with Jalen Nye and Daryl McIntyre. Supported by Abe's Door Service. With 24-7 emergency service where you speak to an actual person. Visit abesdoor.ca. Seventeen here on this morning, six thirty. Chad, we're Jalen here with me this morning. We would both be ranting, raving about the continued mess that is the southwest leg of the Hende and the bridge. And so, as we talked about last week, and if you haven't been familiar, maybe you're one of the ones stuck in traffic again in that area. The bridge uh, for another three and a half weeks, I think it is, will be uh, one lane each way all day. Previously, we've seen some closures that happen on a Friday night at 8. That continues into Monday morning at 6 a.m. down to one lane. So the weekends have been ridiculous anyway. Now it's the week as well. So seven days a week for the next three and a half weeks, it will be a complete mess. On the text line, (laughs) I would just like to make it. This is the quote from the text line. I would like to make a public service announcement. The Anthony Hende is an absolute disgrace. If I was the Hende family, I would demand they take my name off this terrible, terrible road. It is an absolute parking lot. Which kind of made me laugh because I knew that uh, the, the Hende has been named after an explorer from many well, centuries ago. So I don't think the family of Anthony Hende is likely to be too beat up about this. His family's probably uh, from back uh, in uh, <laughs> in England. Uh, if you don't know about Anthony Hende, it was back in the mid-1700s uh, that he became the, uh, the, the, 
the first white person to go as far west as here, way back when. So if you think about what this life, what this world was like, uh, what Western Canada was like in 1760, 1762, apparently in the fall of 54, 1754, uh, they were somewhere along uh, uh, Red Deer, and then they ended up in the North Saskatchewan River. So that's what the Hende is, is named after. It's that great explorer from three centuries ago. See, when we take the Hende to work, though, Daryl, it's perfect, right? There's uh, there's nothing. There's no traffic. It's you know you're coming in at two in the morning doing all your prep. Like it's you're not seeing any traffic on the road. First off, you're kind to think that I'm coming in at two because I am not. But yes, at Tuesday. the time that I do come in, it was smooth sailing. It was super duper easy. But you get the volumes of traffic, and that just backs up forever. So if you're not familiar with what's in the Hende, you need to know. It's just avoid it. It's ruined my drive home. I used to enjoy my drive home. It was quick, right? White mud, Hende, zip out of here. But how has the Southwest Hende ruined your drive to Fort Saskatchewan? Or is this a different element? The Southeast part. Southeast. Southeast Southeast-ish, white mud. Where Buddy hit the overpass. Where Buddy hit the overpass. I'm still not impressed with him. We are not friends. Don't plan on becoming friends. So is that, that's not shut down entirely. It's just bottlenecked. Yeah, but it's like the the, uh, exit onto the Hende, I guess, Mm -hmm. or entrance onto the Hende shut down there's detours it's a nightmare so now i go up to sherwood park freeway and i just be grouchy the whole drive home <laughs> that's what my drives turn well and that's what that's what that's what commuting in the middle of summer we know it's construction season but man every and we've talked about this before but it's still stunning so if, if you if you can't head west on the hen day because you don't want to be stuck in that parking lot for 20 minutes or whatever 30 minutes whatever it is then you want to take white mud so you take white mud you get toward the west end and there's construction down around 149th and 156th Street on White Mud as well. So that ends up getting messed up. Well, what do you do? Maybe you go a different direction. Uh, Maybe you go east to west on the Yellowhead Trail. Okay, that's a ridiculous thought because that's being turned into a freeway. That'll be a mess now for for many years yet until it's fixed. You get to the west end or you try to go through the west end, you run into LRT construction all along up into West Edmonton Mall. You want to go downtown? Well, you can't on Stony Plain Road because the Grote Bridge is being replaced. Where else is there? Every to Williger Drive expansion. So even even if you get off onto the Hende, you have to go through to Williger first if you're coming from that direction to get onto it, and you're going through a construction zone as well. Well, if this is just our travel festivist going on right now, <laughs> I've got one more. Is because the, the LRT, and I know that they're doing the expansion. It's awesome. Yes, public transit's great, whatever. My drive, you know how at the red lights now when there's an LRT in front, you can't take a red turn on a, or a right turn on a red yeah, light? No, you can't. I, and I because fully, you're going to smack into a train. I fully get why, but I hate it. <laughs> I hate it. i got to sit there for an extra five minutes now, it feels like. It's just, it adds to my morning commute. Uh, we did the little he- history lesson on who Anthony Hende was. Yeah. This text comes in from Val. Hende was an explorer, so they made the road an anomaly to replicate the explorer's trek into unknown territory. You That's never good. know what your travel's going to be like. <laughs> That's good. Maybe you think of it as an adventure. That's a lovely way of looking at it, Val. I like that. 
That's very good. Uh, AMFM's concerned about what about all the other bridges on the Henday? Is there general maintenance? What other kind of... I'm not going to read the whole thing because it goes on for quite a while. Uh, but there are over 50 bridge spans, he says, to make up the uh, the Henday. So they all need maintenance. In other words, there will be no time in the next several decades that there isn't construction on the Henday. See, you know what's great about Europe? Boat travel. Went to Amsterdam, everyone just takes boats. You can't break a <laughs> yeah. river or whatever you call it. I've been whining, right? I've, clearly, I'm, I'm, Join the club. I'm frustrated, and you are a little bit too. But Big A has an interesting way of looking at it. It says, it would be far worse if there was no Henday. Because the rest of the ring road generally works really, really well. Once this is done, it'll be great. And I do remember when it was the white mud parking lot, because there was so much volume on the white mud that it would, it would, it would get backed up for literally, you could sit there for an hour with some of those backups. And, uh, and that doesn't, it's very rare that that happens anymore, that the white mud is backed up. Now all the backups are on hand day. But you're right. If without it there, with the volume of traffic, man, we'd be we'd be hooped. You just you just, just want it to be better. Hende. Yeah. <laughs> the, the inner hende and the outer hende. It's an innie and an outie. Uh, <laughs> and whoever said it'll be great when it's done is wrong. By the time they finish making it efficient with three lanes all the way around, then we're going to need four lanes <laughs> all around. Oh, you're killing me. But you're absolutely right. Oh, well, it's first world problems. Just trying to drive from point A to point B. 